All right, all right, all right. This is the 53 Podcast. Broadcasting right now on Monday, right after week six. We're going to break down the action that was. Uh, just a little recap. The 53 is um, a nod to how many players are on the starting active rosters in the NFL. So that's what the name means. 53 Podcast got a new logo recently. So if you see that, uh, let us know what you think. We're pretty happy about it. Let's see how we can bring it to life here coming forward. My name is Luke. This is Jason. We're here week six recap. How are we doing, Jace? We're doing good. Happy for more football. It's crazy to think that we're almost coming up on halfway through this season. You know, we've had so much weird up and down with COVID and different kind of rules and feeling and just kind of getting a rhythm to the season. It's now the rhythm is starting to be the abnormality. We're starting to get used to it a little bit more. And, uh, you know, it seems to be plugging along better than I expected. I, uh, the hopeful optimist, but man, you know, just never know. So glad we're uh, able to talk to you guys coming up end of week six, going into week seven. That's right. Yeah. I mean, we had a couple games bounce around and rescheduled. We had two Monday night games happening right now. We're doing this podcast as the Cardinals and Cowboys are playing on Monday night. Um, so it has been a little bit of a carousel, but the NFL is managing pretty well, in my opinion, and giving us the football that we all desperately needed. Um, but we're here to break down the action. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. Search The 53 Podcast Football to find those. Or you can watch us here on YouTube if that's what you prefer. Jason, we usually start off the show with the five. Should we do it again? Let's get it rolling, baby. All right. Number one, jumping right into it. I think this is a fun one. The Baltimore Ravens are one of only two NFL teams that have what? Relocated. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think you're going to be a little bit shy on that one. Yeah, I need help. I have no idea. But... All right. So your four options are no cheerleaders, a perfect season, a logo that faces left, or a marching band. What? So the Packers definitely don't have cheerleaders. And I know there is another team that doesn't, but I don't know if it's the Ravens or not. Their logo might face left. Don't look. You got to know this. Don't look it up. I'm going to go with their logo faces left. I like your deductive reasoning on that. However, it is, it is actually the cheerleader marching band. Ah, that's so Baltimore's dumb. marching band. The Baltimore's marching Ravens were founded as Baltimore Colts marching band on September 7th, 1947. And have continuously operated ever since, supporting three, this is three, three separate franchises. How about that? All right, number two. Dumb. How many playoff games did the Cardinals win during their 28-year stay in St. Louis? Do you know what years those were? I do. You're not going to tell me? <laughs> um, well, obviously, it's while they were in St. Louis. Um, I don't know the range, but I know um, – no, I can't, I can't give you that because it will give it away. All right. Give me the multiple choice. Is it A, 6, B, 3, C, 9, or D, 0? Um. It is a trivia question, so zero makes a lot of sense because that would be crazy. And just because it's a trivia question, I might go with zero. But I also think that they were in St. Louis for a little while, so they'd have a lot to go with nine. I think anywhere in between is just a sucker bet. I'm going to go with nine. You know, you've gone to a lot of power hours and a lot of Thursday night football games at bars, haven't you? I don't know why. Oh, that's, some, that's some pretty good trivia bar logic right there. I feel like these are questions you see on a screen at the bar. Uh, yeah, but I think I got it wrong. Is it zero? Well, you did answer nine officially, but the answer is zero. They advanced to the playoffs yeah. just three times in those 28 years. 1974, years, yes. 1975, and 1982, never winning a single game. 
I should have went zero. It was it was too easy. All right. You know, yeah. I do my best to try and give you the 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 same inflection on all four. Uh, but you know, I'm trying not to tip on captors. Number three, what was the name of the no huddle offense the Bills used under head coach Marv Levy? All right, your options are run and shoot, air Coriel, K gun, or West Coast. Um, I I don't think it was the West Coast. Um, I like you the, know why it's not the West Coast. You know that's Bill Walsh and all that. Come on. I I like the run and shoot idea, but I think it's the Air Coriel. All right. What's your final answer? That's my final answer. All right. Well, turns out employing the K gun offense. K gun. No huddle shotgun formations. Quarterback Jim Kelly led the Bills to a Super Bowl record. Four consecutive Super Bowls and lost all four. And lost all four. It now, was called the K Gun. That's cool because it's like K- Kelly. I get it. That's right. Yep. There you go. I thought it was too cheesy to guess that. All right. All right. So number four, which player broke? I'm striking out right now. By the way. Yeah, you're not. This is not your hottest week. Your 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 funk is a little off today. Well, you're giving me everything like prior to 1980. Like I don't know this shit. Okay, so this one I happen to know, and it is a question prior to 1980. Which player broke quarterback Bob Greasy's leg during the Dolphins' perfect 1972 season? (laughs) Okay, first option is A, Jack Youngblood, B, Deacon Jones. I know him. C, L.C. Greenwood, or D, Harvey Martin. Oh, well, good. I was I would have just said Mean Joe Green out of nowhere because that sounds like something a guy <laughs> named Mean Joe Green would do. That's the Steelers, though. So, you want a hint? A hint? Um, no, because if you give me a hint, it, I know what your hint's going to be. So, I'm going to go do with you? Jack Youngblood. You want my hint? Yeah. It's one of the guys you know from playing with Madden. Yeah, Jack Youngblood. Okay. So... Named the Secretary of Defense, Deacon Jones specialized in quarterback sacks, a term which he coined. He coined the term sack? That's pretty cool. Look it up. I like Look that. Look it up. That would have been a better trivia question. Who coined the term sack? Oh, there you go. Which I guess I would have to know when it would, I actually started recording those as an official stat. Um, all right, so these other couple are really easy. So I'm going to give you the last kind of. I think one I, here. I think I'm on four already. So just you are. Give me a layup. All right, I'll give you a layup. Number five, how many passes did Brett Favre attempt for the Atlanta Falcons? Zero. Okay, your options are four, 40, 400. Or none. I'm gonna go with Please none. Take the hint. I'm gonna go Please with take none. The hint. Take the hand, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna go with none. Favre attempted only four passes for the Falcons, resulting in two interceptions and zero completion. So I give you no points, even though I could have probably stretched that to zero points, zero completions. But it just did say pass attempts. Oh, oh, then four. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well done. You are awarded no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That was, that was the worst display of football knowledge I've ever had in my life. You know, what we should do is ask the fans, do we like me coming up with this type of stuff and watch me kind of trump the hell out of you? Or is it something that we should kind of make it a little bit easier for you? Well, I think – Comments maybe- below, Adam. Like, my, if you want me to keep stumping them, add comments if I, you think I'm too mean and need to lighten up. Well, I, I do a lot of homework on these questions. Something within the 2000s would be cool every once in a while. Those this are one, too darn easy. Like, really, come on. The layup, the layup of questions for that would have been, who was the first openly gay player drafted in the NFL? Sam. Correct. What former Dallas Cowboy player 
uh, replaced Phil Simms as color analyst for the NFL telecast. Oh, it's Tony Romo. Okay. Who holds a single-season record for touchdown receptions? And it only counts uh, if you guess how many. Justin Jefferson. Randy Moss, well, 23. There you go. See, like, th- those are the 2000 stuff. All right, fine. I'll give you a break. I'll give right. you a break. Speaking of break, uh, you're not getting a break because you're going to talk about how your team got your ass this week. Tell me about it. Um, yeah, so it started off like any other game would in a Viking train wreck fashion with Kirk Cousins throwing three picks. Uh, two came pretty early in the game. Raheem Morris's defense actually played pretty well against our offense. You know, we were in it for a while. It came down to a play in the second quarter. Uh, we get the ball first and 10 on the two-yard line. We have four chances to score and can't score, including a stupid, like, quick hike to Mike Boone up the middle that didn't work and made us look really stupid. And ever since then, it was like, this game's over. Like, if we, if we can't score here on this goal line, our team has no motivation, no heart to actually fight back from that. And since that fourth down goal line stop, we were done. Um, so we played down to our opponent. We let Matt Ryan completely have his way with us in the passing game. Uh, Julio Jones looked like Julio Jones. And that was really kind of it, man. We we were out Dalvin Cook. Alexander Madison comes in, has a really lackluster game. I don't know if that's indicative of him playing in the starting role or if that's indicative of us being down early. But either way, it looked bad. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, the outlook on the game is I am now into the rebuild mode. I'm cool with that. I'm I'm now comfortable with the idea of, all right, this year ain't the year. If we need to sell off some assets, let's do it. If we need to cut guys, let's do it to get younger. Or not to get younger, but we are so young that if we want to save money or get draft capital, let's do it and make moves and stir things up, knowing that, Hey, if Kirk is going to be our quarterback of the future, let's try and get a good team around him next year. If he's not going to be the quarterback of the future, let's cut ties now and figure out who is going to be. So sure. it, it's been tough to come to that realization, especially as a Viking fan who were where, you know, we've had five, six good years in a row. Uh, nothing too great. I mean, Minneapolis miracle was a great year. That was just a couple of years ago. So We've had really good teams, really good defenses, offenses that put up a lot of points. Uh, but now it's come to the point that, unfortunately, our record is going to be more indicative of who we are than how we're, our team is built. And it's time to look to greener pastures next year. Hopefully play some requisite football for the rest of the year. But the postseason is a far, far gone conclusion for us. Sure. So, you know, you talked a lot about getting younger, rebuilding, you know, maybe some decisions as far as personnel and money as the cap shrinks for next year for the overall team. Um, oftentimes with the rebuild means uh, a restructure um, of identity, whether it be offense or defense. It kind of felt like this year you knew there was a lot of changes, but, you know, the Minnesota Vikings would be a lot of the same, you know, ground and pound, pass game predicated off the run game. Uh, defense could be bend but don't break, uh, stifling at times and kind of get snowballing, you know, as they have in the past. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. With yeah. that kind of set up that way, do you feel like Zimmer is going to be around much longer? Is he going to make it through the year? Is he going to make it through the offseason? Is he going to make it through his contract? Well, I really hope so. I, I, I think the pitchforks are out on him right now, and a lot of Vikings fans are trying to solve – you know, make permanent solutions to, like, temporary problems. and his name and Kirk's name are at the top of the list. And unfortunately, if, if our losing streak continues, then of course, like we got to just change something up to change the morale, you know, but I don't think he's the problem. I think uh, us being young and inexperienced um, leads into it a lot, but you know, if 
we're a couple of weeks down the line and we're one and eight. I mean, somebody's got to be to blame for it. So um, if I had to put a percentage on if Zimmer is going to get cut during the year or at the end of the year, I would say he would keep his job 85%. He's still keeping his job. Uh, okay. After- well, he's got half a season to go. Um, with that, you're Zimmer. You just came off a pretty tough loss as far as you know, it kind of hits you deep. Yeah. You're going into the bye week. What is your message to your team this week? What are you working on? What are you telling them? What are you like trying to get revamped? You're trying to try some new things. You're trying to get young guys starters. Where are you going? Bye week focus going into the next week. Uh, we just got to play. We got to play complimentary football. I mean, if our defense is getting shelled, our offense has got to stay on the field. If our offense is scoring quick, the defense has to come back and stop them. Like we gotta, we gotta play within ourselves. Way too many times, our defense gets gashed for an eighty-yard touchdown drive, and then our offense goes three and out, and now our defense is back on the field again. That's what's mm-hmm. killing us. It isn't – well, obviously, if you sit down Kirk Cousins and say, hey, man, if you if you turn the ball over three times a game, there isn't a spot for you in the NFL for that. You, you can't continue to start with turning the ball over multiple times, making boneheaded plays on sometimes – literally the very first play of the game, he threw a pick to a guy who was just staring at him. And you're like, at, at some point, hey, man, like, we can't have that happen. And he knows that, and you either get better or you get benched. And that's unfortunately, we don't have anybody who's exciting behind him to kind of garner some hope around and some faith around. But who is the backup? Is it still Sean Hill? Mannion. Oh, yes. Okay. So equally as exciting. Yeah. Basically, uh, same deal, just younger. So that's where we're living at, man. Um, But. Not all things are bad on the 53 podcast. The Chicago Bears are 5-1, and one, so we can talk about that team as well and what you saw out of their performance against the Carolina Panthers. Well, this game started pretty much the same way your Vikings game did, except for we had the pick on the first play. Um, it was probably like the third or the fourth play. Put us in good field position, and we scored quick, and, uh, you know, you never really looked back. You know, this is the typical Bears win. You know, I – For any Bears fan out there, we've already conceded the fact we're never going to win in blowouts. We're never going to win like the Chiefs. Um, This is basically a classic Bears win. uh, Lovey Smith said it back in the 2000s. The formula for a win is three sacks and two turnovers. And we got that. Uh, We actually had another pick six call back against, you know, kind of a tacky call. But, you know, that's how you play the game. You have to find a way to rebound. Um, I'm having a little bit of issue with the Bears because the defense is doing great. The offense is struggling, but I think the struggles this week were in just attitude more than execution because they were up quick and they play, were playing not to lose. They weren't playing to blow them out or to, to put the, you know, the dagger in early. Yeah. And that was kind of frustrating to see. Um, my biggest complaint overall, not specifically the play calling, um, because it's, it's still moving and they're still winning games, and, and Nick Foles. The offense seems to be more Nick Foles having two or three drives where he's making all the calls and they're getting down the field and in rhythm and those type of things. I think Nagy's getting ahead of himself on a lot of things. And my bigger complaint is that we invested in Jimmy Graham, who is a slot machine, and Cole Komet, a second-round pick. Why are we not exploiting the middle of the defense? That's exactly what you have a tight end for. You look at Travis Kelsey, you look at George Kittle, Mark Andrews, they eat over the middle, and all these defenses have to respect the offense as a whole. When you, all these little quick outs and corner outs, they hug the sideline, which is basically the 12th defender. And it's really – your linebackers and safeties can cheat. So I really feel like that would be another dimension that would be easily added to their game. Um, Carolina was a good game, a good win. Again, you're going to get the, comp- or the comment about, you know, McCaffrey was out and their defense is banged up. Well, I'm not apologizing again for winning. Win's a win. Um, it'll be, right. They don't ask how. They ask how many. That's right. So we'll see. I'm excited for Monday night next week against the Rams. I think it's going to be more of an equal caliber game, primetime game. Um, You know, we'll see. To answer the uh, season-long question, Mitchell Meter, 
I don't really care what the number is. He's, <laughs> I'm convinced he's going to have to play again this year. So you got to support him. Uh, the more he's off the field, the more I see he can't do what Nick Foles does. Mitch is three times the athlete, but he is a third, the processing power. And the cerebral aspect is what's winning these games. Um, you're seeing clutch throws and clutch moments, not only being down 16 points to the Falcons, uh, the comeback against Detroit, um, the, the fourth quarter against Tampa Bay, and then just right. making 95% of the right decisions this week. It, it's clear. So, all in all, looking forward to the Rams game. We keep on rolling. First in the division for now. And the Packers look vulnerable. So, that's all we can ask for. That's definitely true. We'll get to the Packers a little bit later in our conversations here. Um, yeah, one thing about this game, Teddy ends up throwing two picks. Like you said, a pick six that was called back. Um, I think the Panthers are going to be fine. I think they, they can hang out with anybody once they get Chris McCaffrey back, who Matt Rule kind of toyed with the media today and said, oh, he might be back this week or next week or the week after that. And we're like, okay, cool. We'll get it. Like, <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Let's let's not expect him to be out there this week type of deal, but eventually they'll get him back and they'll be in the right direction. Um, but yeah, they're they're a team that doesn't have to win now. That there's there really no pressure on that team um, to do big things. Just kind of build a foundation with Matt Rule at the helm and come into 2021 and be a team that might be a force to be reckoned with. And it looks like that still could be the case for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll go to um, – we got the Chiefs-Buffalo Bills game, actually, that just happened uh, here on Monday night. If you're down to talk about Yeah, let's about talk about this while it's hot. Absolutely. Jump in. Did you get a chance to watch the full thing? Because I did. You know I did. I Yeah, I was able to I, – I, I missed the first touchdowns. Um, okay. But I, I rewatched those. Stefan Diggs had some amazing footwork and amazing ability to get open. It's just that intangible thing that he has is, is pretty cool. And that chemistry between him and Allen is great, but then he kind of cost him the game. I shouldn't say cost him at the game. It was a nine point game, but he's lollygagging back at the end of the, at the end of the game, doesn't get set, calls a false start. They lose 10 seconds, throws a pick the next play. And those are the exact reasons why Stefan Diggs like never really fully was embraced here in Minnesota. I mean, he was, don't get me wrong, but when things, were, when things were bad, they were really bad. And like, I just saw glimpses of that in, in the end of that game. Like, dude, you, you're on a four and one team. You scored a touchdown. You had seven catches and you're just like walking back when your whole team is rushing. Absolute attitude and an absolute killer. It's just so weird, man, because, like, he's such a competitor that it's like, come on, just, like, one more thing. Just – anyway, there's a lot more else to be talked about in this game, uh, mostly with the Kansas City run game. How do you feel about that? Uh, they look dominant. They look like one of the best units in the league, and that's crazy coming off, you know, with a rookie running back, a big transi- transaction, uh, picking up Le'Veon Bell, who wasn't able to play this week because of COVID and all the transition rules, and a banged-up O-line. Uh, they're, they're what guard center. And then the right tackle went up in the middle of the game. So they got three new linemen in there. Uh, they were able to run the ball at will, which looked great. Um, on the other side of the ball, Josh Allen looked incredibly average in a game where he had to be elite. Um, part of his game, part of it, it was wet, but that didn't seem to affect the chiefs. They adjusted. Um, but Josh needed to be accurate today. And he was not that the chiefs defense is not bad. We see them lower in statistical categories because they're usually up playing prevent. Um, but they locked everybody up. There were some penalties ridden, but they came up big when it counted. So uh, Josh Allen, stud fantasy player, still got a little ways to go to be the <laughs> premier quarterback in the league. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit it on the head. It just Kansas City had one too many answers for Buffalo uh, with the run game. They ran the ball 46 times. Um, the broadcaster said it was the most of any Andy Reid coach team ever, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. The confidence that they have in a layer. Now they get Le'Veon Bell and you're like, Oh my God, this team really can beat you however they want. 
And Mahomes. They were over like five or six yards of carry, too. Yeah. Mahomes at the end of the game. Aaron Andrews asked him, find a way to get it done on the ground. What were you seeing? And Mahomes like, hey, if they're going to play as deep to try and stop the deep ball, I'm just going to keep running it. And the second they come up, I'm going to throw it over their head. I'm like, this dude gets it. You know, some quarterbacks mm-hmm. get impatient and just throw bombs, but he gets it. Like, he wants to throw bombs, but he, he's going to wait, wait, wait for the appropriate time to really hit that home run. Um, not too much more you can say about the Chiefs, man. I, I, I think they're the, they're the number one seed in, in the AFC for sure, in my mind. Uh, after Baltimore's pretty lackluster start, even though they only have one loss. They let up 22 points to the Eagles at the end of that game. So I, I, I would say Kansas City gets the nod for the best team in the AFC currently. Even though Steelers are good, Titans are good, I'm getting on a rant. But That's all right. So in a couple of weeks, I'll probably ask you the same question. But if it comes down to it, you think Seattle can score with Kansas City? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. I think that'll be a fun one to watch as we get kind of going for midseason grades. So but, uh Moving on, staying in the AFC, Cleveland-Pittsburgh was a game we were both excited about. They were both 4-0 or 4-1 going into this game. Division rivals, supposed to be a black and blue game. Pitt wins 38-7. to uh, Your quick thoughts on this very boring game. Yeah, very quick thoughts. Um, Cleveland does this the last three years now. We get excited about them. Then they play a team that, hey, if you want to be a good team, you have to beat, and then they get their ass kicked. Yep. And then you're like, wow, I got excited about the Cleveland Browns. They're not good. At their core, they got better, but they're still not good. Uh, I think Pittsburgh can be legit. It sucks to see them lose their young linebacker, Devin Bush, to an ACL. Fear for you, man. I mean, he's heart and soul of that defense. Um, I'm sure we'll see people step up because that defense is legit uh, on every level, all three levels of that defense uh offense is figuring it out ben's knocking off some rust they're finding some new toys on offense and some of these younger guys so yeah loving that claypool again claypool had another great game with deontay johnson being out Mm -hmm. uh claypool's looking like a like a stud second round pickup it's uh it's gonna be fun to watch um speaking of fun to watch how about them packers getting their ass kicked huh I tell you what, we were watching the first first half of that game or the first 10 minutes of the game and Green Bay goes up 10 rip. Well, you thought they went up 14 rip, but they called back that Aaron Rodgers touchdown where he does the dance. The Hingle McCringleberry, and I'm like, God damn, Aaron Rodgers is going to do this to a Tom Brady team? They end up having to settle for 10, and then they let up 38 straight points. I have no idea what happened to that offense. They look confused. Aaron Rodgers looked like he didn't want to be out there by the end of the game. Uh, well, you know what it was? Different. Tom Brady at home paid off the refs. They, before the game started, they implemented a new rule. Aaron yeah, Rodgers is allowed to throw interceptions now. So after going perfect <laughs> for how many hundreds of throws, he throws two in a span of two minutes. And I think one of them was, was housed, and the other one was pretty darn close. So one of them, yeah, he gives the Tom Brady three points. Too. Yeah, he was inside the red zone at least. And, you give Tom Brady an easy, you know, easy points, cheating points there. It's, it's, he goes to work and, you know, he never, never gave it back. I mean, the defense got to pin their ears back and they, they made Aaron Rodgers not want to be in that game. You saw Sue up in his grill, literally on a, on a throwaway, he throws him about eight yards back if you watch that replay. And it yeah. was totally clean too. He was not happy about it. But, uh, oh, yeah, they were bitching and back and forth for a while. Oh, hell yeah. And guess who got the better of it? Five and a half sacks. 13 knockdowns. That is, I don't care who you are. Patrick Mahomes is going to get rattled with that. Tom Brady is going to get rattled with that. Uh, great showing by the Tampa defense after uh, not such a great week last week. Yeah, man. The biggest thing is that they played a clean game. No penalties, turnovers, or sacks. That was the biggest frustration watching the Thursday night game against the Bears. Both teams were just brutal in that regard. Yeah, it's, uh, that stat is pretty crazy. Um, and that, that's what Tom Brady brings to your team. We were literally talking last week about how Tampa Bay just can't get over their, their penalties. Last year, they're the most penalized offense in the NFL, and we were talking about they're going to lose games unless they stop it. And literally, they keep Tom Brady upright. 
no penalties, no turnovers, and look what you can do when that happens. Uh, it's pretty cool. And then one quick nod. I mean, you got to love the game of the NFL when you get these players like Rob Gronkowski out there because he finds the end zone first time in two years or whatever it is. Yeah, two years. It just, bring, it just brings joy to your heart, man. He's just uh, out there having fun, him and his best friend, Tom Brady. Uh, so it was the weakest spike, though. Ugh. I thought yeah. it would be all this pent-up aggression and just – even Aaron Andrews was dogging him during the game. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't put the full effort in the spike. I think he was just happy to be there. That he forgot how to do it. Out. He was taking too much CBD. <laughs> Chilled him out. I love, uh, I love the, the shout-out there. And, you know, again, I said it all year, the good teams with good tight ends find ways to win. Um, speaking of which, I thought the good tight end out in San Fran was, had himself a monster game, uh, but they came up a little short. What about that primetime game with the Rams and the Niners? Um, well, actually, the Niners ended up winning that game. I we have our that, numbers backwards. I, I think I wrote that wrong. The Niners won the game. I thought they won. George Kittle shined uh, so bright once again on a Sunday night stage. Over 100 yards and a touchdown. He's another dude who just plays the game and has fun doing it. Uh, he's unapologetically himself. He's mm -hmm. so awesome. Um, dude, we're live. <laughs> but what's this show? what this shows me is that the Rams need to find a run game. They need to find a run game somewhere. They, they struggle with the run game, then they can't open up their play action passing and try and hit their guys over the middle. Uh, in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. When that doesn't happen, it's a pretty ugly game offensively. For the Rams, I still think they're pretty good. They're 4-2. and two. The Niners, that was almost a must-win game. It's hard to say that six weeks into the year. But that brings them to 3-3, three mm. and three, and now they're respectable again. If you fall in a division you game. Fall to 2-4 and four and lose a division game, you're like, damn, like you're pretty close to being down and out. But 3-3... Three and three, you're sitting there like, all right, we got to make some moves, beat the Seahawks, Cardinals, right? Rams again, and hey, we're fine. So, uh, a great game by San Fran. They looked really good on defense. Uh, Jason Verrett's back. He hasn't played in like Dude. four years or something, and he made a great. It's been a while. In that game. He's he's fun to watch when he's healthy, and he's he's back. And he that pick that he made in that game, he came off of a of a flat route in man coverage and was able to, to slough off underneath uh, a lob in the corner of the end zone. It was, it was yeah. great anticipation, explosion, all that stuff. It was fun to watch. Um, speaking of the Niners, too, I got a question for you. If they're going to make this comeback run that you know, fans want to see now that they're 3-3, three and three, if they're going to have a chance of coming back in this thing, I got to ask you. Some of the infomercial or infographics in the game and what the broadcasters are talking about, and it was very apparent right away, their offense – is not going as far down the field as it was last year. Part of it's because they're getting pass rush on, uh, but the average depth of throw for the first half was like minus three yards. So a lot of screen games, nothing going vertical. Um, they're starting to get healthier, but I don't see the bar, ball moving down the field. A lot of yak yards, a lot of relying on playmakers. Is that sustainable, especially against all these explosive offenses? Their defense isn't as good as it was last year, or is healthy. Do you think that Niners offense is going to be sustainable? Yeah, I think it is, actually. Uh, it's good enough to win games. It, the tough thing is when you get into the playoffs where you need to make a crucial play on a long yardage down and can't because you're not used to doing it, that's where it will mm -hmm. hurt. But they can win games and get into the playoffs doing this stuff. They have the number one – or they, they're the number one offense in yak yards currently because they have mm -hmm. players like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, their running backs can catch. George Kittle is a yak monster. And so, yeah, they, they're fine. They can develop these little schemes to get guys open and run them up the field after they catch the ball, and it will work just fine. Uh, but to take it to the next level and be a go back-to-back -back in the Super Bowl, yes, they're going to have to find something that pushes back the defenses a little bit so that they can run the ball effectively. Because what they're going to find is that when the safeties start coming up to play the run and you can't get them over the top at all, there's no external threat 
And, and that uh, comes yeah. really down to Jimmy G. I mean, he got benched the week prior. He played a very Jimmy G game in this game. Uh, just getting it to the – facilitating getting it to his playmakers and letting them run. What about so. this thought then to that? Jimmy G, what does this offensive scheme say about him? Well, it's perfect. Uh, my friend Zach, he says uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's a Niners fan because he's a weirdo. He <laughs> said uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is the best game manager in the NFL. And I said, well, describe that. What does that mean? Da, da, da. He's like, he doesn't make big mistakes. He can make the passes that he needs to make, and he has no ego when he's on the field. I was like, that's pretty true, you know? And he just sits back there, gets the ball to his his guys, and lets them make the plays. And rarely – I shouldn't say rarely, but isn't, like, thrust upon to make a play like Deshaun Watson would or Aaron Rodgers would. You don't see that all too often from him because they're designing plays to get the ball out early and often – where he's not making the plays improvising with his legs or anything like that. Is he worth the contract then? Well, I mean, if he can go to the Super Bowl again, I think I'll pay anybody any amounts of money to get the Vikings to the Super Bowl. So, yes. But that's me. If your ultimate goal is to win a Super Bowl and your quarterback got you there, I guess pretty good. In his first year there, right? That was his first year there. Oh, second year. He got hurt. Uh, second, but he's hurt. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. So, in theory, you're right. All right. I, I feel you. I feel you coming on. And uh, as we're watching this game, as we're talking here, the uh, ticker here is going up. You got 14 nothing. Arizona's up on Dallas. Five to go in the first half. Zeke's got two fumbles. I'm watching my fantasy victory kind of dwindle away. Um, not so great for the box score. Um ugh. Speaking of which, though, we have some box score heroes, and I'll talk about the first hero here right away because he's the one that could potentially be the reason that I win this week. Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson goes off again in a shootout-ish type game. Nine catches, 166 yards, and two touchdowns. Have a day, Rook. You just shot yourself way off the list on the Rookie of the Year conversation. We'll be watching the rest of the year. Uh, Who's your first guy? Yes, he does. JJ, got to love it. Um... Well, I'll take uh, King Henry then. Derrick Henry had another 200-yard performance, his third of his career, I believe. Uh, scored two touchdowns, one of, one of which came in overtime uh, for the win. He also had a 52 yards in the air. Uh, it's just unbelievable watching this guy run. Uh, it, it just defies the way a running back plays and uh, how upright he runs and doesn't yeah. run – with the biggest body in the NFL uh, at the position, he doesn't use his body that much. He uses his positioning and his arms and stiff arms and kind of evading people more than you'd think he uses trucking or anything like that. It's right. so he's an anomaly in that way. It's like you'd think that he would just lower his head and bang people, but he doesn't. It's all finesse and then just a ruthless stiff arm. If you get too close, it's, so much fun to watch when you see the big runs come out of this guy. This one was, what, 94, 96 yards. Um, yep. Derrick Henry is a, a huge box score here. I think he scored 40 points in a PPR league this year so, or this week. So, Cool. Um, well, I, I can take the third of four here. The most frustrating box score hero of the last five years, I would say, Julio Jones of the Falcons. I mean, yeah. he'll have four catches for – 30 yards most weeks, and then he'll have a game like eight catches, 137 yards, and two touchdowns in the same game where Calvin Ridley goes off. Gets hurt, but he still goes off as well. Um, the, the offense puts up 40 points, and Julio, you know, is the guy we always thought he is. You know, all those other games kind of feel like anomalies, but uh, that's uh, have yourself a day. Julio reminding us again why you're elite. Yeah, man, they went to Julio early and often in that game. And then they end up hitting him on a fourth down play where Matt Ryan baits the corner to come in because he looks like he's going to run for the first down, throws it right over the corner's head, and Julio basically walks in for a 40-yard touchdown. Pretty impressive performance. Um, box score hero number four will give it to a rookie, uh, a second rookie, same division for the Detroit Lions, DeAndre Swift. Mm -hmm. 14 
116 and two have a day. They beat the Jags. Uh, that's exactly what they wanted out of Swift. We haven't seen it quite yet, so it's fun to see him uh, getting in the end zone, getting over that century mark. Absolutely. This is about the time of year for me in, in this COVID season where I expect to see some of these rookie running backs take off a little bit more. Uh, because there's no preseason, they should be getting the hang of the, uh, the hang of the systems, hang of the playbook, hang of the speed. Uh, he's got a great mentor in AP out there. Uh, it's also really cool to see him make this list uh, with this type of number. 14 carries, 116 yards. That's really efficient. And then two scores. Um, it just shows that he's got confidence in himself. The team's got confidence in him after he dropped the game-winning touchdown against the Bears. No. The first week, his, his first game. So that's just something to see, you know, good for him as far as his psyche and, you know, team putting faith in him and saying, all right, Rook, get back in there. So real cool. Real, real cool. Um, I think that's our last hero. That is. What, uh, what games are you looking forward to next week? Obviously, the Bears are at the L.A. Rams on Monday night. Yep. Vikings are on by. Vikings what else are on by, thank God. Um, dude, I am, I'm so pumped up for this uh, Titans-Steelers game. Uh, yeah. I think that's the number one game I'm looking at. Uh, since the Vikings don't play at one, that Titans-Steelers game's at one, like that's going to be my main TV game for sure. Red Zone can be on the side TV. I am tuning into that game, uh, and I'm going to love it. Uh, another one, Green Bay versus Houston. Deshaun Watson's fun to watch. Want to see how Aaron Rodgers bounces back after a pretty rough, rough week throwing two picks. That'll be a fun one. Any other ones stand out to you? Well, for me, uh, divisional game, Carolina and New Orleans. I thought this wasn't going to be a game we'd be interested in, uh, but it seems to be as far as matching records. And, you know, they're both not kind of where we thought they'd be. So it'd be a closer game. Uh, another division game, Seattle, Arizona. Um, it was kind of yeah. starting to move out on Arizona, but seeing that they're going to be up 20 to nothing at the half here. My God. Uh, it's 20 to nothing, uh, four and a half to go. I think they just scored. I don't know who scored yet, but uh, four and a half to go. Dallas is getting the ball back. Um, they're showing up again. I don't know why, if it's defense or offense or what. Now it's 21. There goes the PAT. Jeez. Um, they're back in the conversation. I mean, that's you were saying this would be the best division of football. Uh, there's no team with a losing record. It'll be a, a fun one. I don't know if they'll be able to keep with Seattle, but it's gonna, you're going to see what type of team they are. Yeah. Well, I mean, Seattle's proven that their defense ain't going to keep them in game. So, uh, <laughs> Kyler might be having a heyday, but we'll have to see. Should we crown some people? You want to crown them? Then crown them. Well, I will go with my first crown of the day. And I'm going to crown head coach Mike Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans. He's undefeated with his Titans team. He's been there for two years now, maybe three years now. And really what it came down to uh, is this scenario, and I want to ask you about it. Um, But what happened was a minute 50 left, Houston scores. They're up seven. They decide to go for two to go up nine. They don't get it. Tennessee gets the ball back, scores with four seconds left, and then scores in overtime mm-hmm. to win the game. The scenario is you're the Houston Texans coach, Romeo Cornell. This is your second start, it, start as a coach as the interim of this team. Do you go for it there, or do you just kick the PAT to go up eight and make them score and get the PAT? Um, the book says score. I say go for it there for a couple of reasons. One, you've already lost your coach, and you kind of not written the season off, but you're getting there. Two, you're on the road. Road teams, you should always go for the points. Three, you haven't stopped shit. So what's to say you're going to stop them again? So I, I'm cool with it. I mean, you're, you're a one-in-five team. You're probably not going to win the division. You're probably not even going to make the playoffs. So uh, this is one of those ones where it can be either a big momentum shift for your team for this game and moving forward, or it's just the, eh, whatever, that it has been all year. So uh, I don't really see as much downside. Yeah, you lose the game, but the, I think the upside in this situation of getting the points would have been better than the downside of not well, in the long term. I agree. And 
it was Rich Gannon on the call, and he just kept hounding them for going for two. You don't do that. You don't do that. I was like, bro, if they would have scored there, you'd have been like, wow, what an amazing call. Like, you go up nine in that spot, there's no way you'd lose the game. If you have a chance to completely win a game, I think you got to do it when you're one and five or like the Vikings were last week, one and four, when we went forward on fourth down. Like, you got to make those plays. And, you know, if you don't succeed, then you got to live with consequences. But crown them, Mike Vrabel, great poised win with the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill looks phenomenal. Derrick Henry looks phenomenal. It's a good team. A.J. Brown. Improving it week in, week in, week out as they get rid of the corona and they get some of the injured players back. Be fun to watch. Um, well. I'll let you take the the uh, the second one as our third here. I'll talk about the uh, Brandon McManus six field goals to finally win in New England, even though Drew Locke was single-handedly trying to mount <laughs> a New England comeback. There. Got really uh, ugly. Yeah, Cam looked rusty in that game, being off from the Rona and the bye and all that stuff. But uh, Brandon McManus, anytime you kick six field goals, I mean, that's that's saying something. I mean, you, uh, were they in Denver or were they in Mile, uh, Mile High or were they at uh, Foxborough? They were at Foxborough. Yeah. Either way, not easy places to kick in either one of them. So, uh, hats off to the kicker for the brand. Love it. I'll, uh, Love it. I'll let you take the last one on topic with uh, <laughs> some more Henry action. You go keep, keep on that Titans bandwagon. Yeah, I went, I went double down on Derrick Henry, but – I'm going to crown the idea of direct snaps this week. That's right, direct right. snaps. It was uh, third and goal from the six-yard line. I think it was third and goal. Might have been second and goal. From the six-yard line, Derrick Henry takes a direct snap uh, in the shotgun position, does a little counter himself, veers off to the left, and bulldozes in for the game-winning touchdown in overtime. And then – the second touchdown in the Colts game to mount their 21-point comeback, Trey Burton of Philly special fame, yep. not only catches a touchdown, takes a direct snap and scores a touchdown as well on the ground. So two touchdowns for Trey Burton as well. Got to love it. Direct snaps. They're back. Crown them. Getting fun out there. Uh, I love it. And think of the things I love. I love our segment of the three. Uh, I think we've been doing pretty well overall. Um, take me through your first, the three. Well, I'll just say, first off, I called Tom Brady's win this week. So I was pretty happy about that. That you did. Uh, my first win of the three, uh, this is, I felt like I was doing I was too easy on myself the last couple of weeks with my guesses. So I, I try to go a little bit more out on the limb with a couple of these. So I went Eagles will bench Carson Wentz for Jalen Hurts at some point during this Thursday night football game. And bench, you mean Hurts is actually going to throw a pass and not come in for two running plays, right? Correct. There you go. I like it. I could see it. Who are they playing again? They're playing the Giants. Yeah. Giants. All right. Giants um, yeah. actually looking pretty good. They're like, not figuring it out. Great, but like they ain't bad. Shout out to second year defensive back Julian Love, former National Academy Roadrunner. Um the uh yeah, Go the runners. same thing I've been I've been not so easy on myself either. I had uh, Buffalo over Kansas City this week, did not happen. Philly over Baltimore, it almost happened and it was a pretty tight game. I know you were yelling at 22 in the fourth. My God. It's crazy. Talk about a choke job. Uh, and uh, Michael Hardman going off did not happen. Um, <laughs> but your guy, your guy, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, went nuts on the ground. And Kelsey had the two touchdowns. So the points and the numbers were there, just the wrong guy. That's all. So um, it's weird much ado about nothing. Yeah, much ado about nothing, though. Um, I am going to take, for my number one of the three, I'm going to take Carolina over New Orleans. I know there's a big spread on that game. Uh, I am taking the points for Carolina. You're taking the points? I'm taking them to cover the spread. Nice. I like it. Because I think it's five and a half or seven and a half. 
Teddy, two gloves. Love to see it. All right, my second is Kareem Hunt leads the league in rushing in week seven. They play the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they need to get back to basics and run the ball. They understand that that's how they're going to win games. They don't play against the formidable Steelers defense this week. They're just going to ground and pound against Joe Burrow's Bengals. Kareem Hunt's going to lead the league in rushing week seven. I can dig it. Uh, week seven, I think that the New York Jets get waxed at home by the Buffalo Bills. But that's not surprising. That's not my the three. My the three is they get waxed and Gase gets to keep his job again because I wouldn't want to give the team over to their defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, either. So I don't know who's going to be the interim. <laughs> it for sure is shit ain't going to be Dowell Loggins, the offensive coordinator. The Bears knew all, know all too much of him, carrying on that awesome Bears legacy of no <laughs> points and the Mike Glennon era and all that stuff. So you can keep him too. I just don't think there's anywhere else to go. Yeah, they keep, he's staying. Adam Gase you is staying the rest of the year. You can't get rid of him because the, the staff is that bad. So that's my number two of the three. All right. Well, my three is toss-up game, Titans-Steelers. I'm going to take the side of the Titans against your side of the Steelers. That's right. What are we, uh, what are we putting down on this? Want to do, bet you a dollar? Yeah, I'll bet you a dollar. You're going to have to be quicker than that. I can dig it. I mean, you got the think of it this way: you got two highest-ranked teams, two undefeated teams. Um, it's good. they're going to be fighting for two and three seed, maybe a one seed, depending on how KC finishes out the year. Uh, I think the healthier team here will win at the end of the season. But uh, this is this is going to be a black and blue game, man. No pun intended, because of the primary colors here. But it's going to be. It's a fun you one. Got a power run game against a great defense. You've got a you know. That being the Titans offense, Steelers defense. Uh, like you said, that's just the game I'm watching at noon. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You got a three for me? Yeah, Herbert's going to wax, wax Jacks. Um, he's going to throw four touchdowns against the Jaguars and the Jaguars off of his bye week. Get his first win? Four touchdowns, first win. I know you and I were talking about this off air. Chargers are the best one-win one, one win team in the league right now. Hey, watch they it. They are. They are. I we'll disagree. see how they do coming out of the bye, too, giving uh, Herbert a chance to really soak in, watch some film on himself, maybe reinvent himself a little bit, help my fantasy team by throwing some touchdowns to Hunter Henry, not those other guys, but we'll see. <laughs> well, you can uh, wish on that one. I don't think that's happening, but Hunter Henry is a thing of the past. Hey, but that's what happens when you go all in on wide receivers and running backs and ignore the quarterback, the tight end positions in your fantasy draft. So, you know, you live and die by your choices. It is what it is, but this has been the 53 podcast. Wrapping up week six recap here. Once again, I am Luke. This is Jason. We're signing off. Have a good week. Catch you week seven. Bye.